0: Tonight, as I said earlier, Reverend Michael Ford is going to be sharing God's Word with us on the subject of uh, the renewed mind and our sonship rights, which is the eighth session in the Power for Abundant Living series. Thank you, Dorothy, and thank you, Rhoda. And I especially like to give thanks to the teacher, to Dr. Werewolf. Though he's here at International Headquarters, he is allowing me the privilege to teach and I must admit it's very fitting that I teach on the subject of the renewed mind because I can think of very few people that make people renew their mind more than me. And I'm sure that this evening I will give you an opportunity to utilize the principles that I will share with you. And I must admit in the last couple of days I've had the opportunity to operate these principles also. I've gone through a very traumatic happening in my life. Yesterday I turned 30 years old, yeah, I know what you mean, and my wife asked me, do you feel any different, and I said, yes, I said, I can no longer use the excuse of being a youth, I now must live up to my adulthood, and I can think of no greater privilege to begin manhood than teaching on the subject of the renewed mind and sonship rights. I'd like for you to turn to Colossians, please, chapter 2. In Session 8, Dr. World covers a variety of different subjects and parts of the Word, and when he finally does get to the subject of the renewed mind in Session 8, he makes the following statement, and that is, a man may be loaded with all the power of God, but only to the extent that he renews his mind will this power of God come into manifestation. The renewed mind is not only the key to power, but is the key to life itself, that makes available the manifestation of the more than abundant life. Outside of the Word of God, it is impossible to live the more than abundant life that is promised in the the Word of God. The best that a person is able to do outside of the Word of God is live a sugar-coated style of existence. The world will never teach you how to live life to the fullest. Only the Word of God teaches you how to live Life and all of his abundance and all of its fullness and all of its richness. That's why we must go to the Word of God to learn the keys of life. The world will try to fool you. The world will try to seduce you away and make you think you're living life when in, in, in reality you're nothing more than a pawn in the chess game of life. I looked up the word renew in the Funk and Wagnall Standard Collegian Dictionary, which is a constant companion with me in my office. When I want to know what a word means, I will usually look it up in the dictionary. So I looked up the word renew, and it means to restore to a former or a sound condition. Now I like that part on the sound condition, especially in the sense of the renewed mind, because we are trying to get our minds to a sound condition with the Word of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, you don't have to turn there, but it talks about that God gives us a sound mind. And that sound mind will come by putting the Word of God in our mind. The world does nothing to give you soundness. It does just the opposite. But the Word does everything to give you soundness. And with your mind being in a sound condition, you have the opportunity to enjoy the benefits of the more than abundant life. A mind that is in a sound condition is a breeding ground for success and the abundance of life. A mind that is not in a sound condition is open prey to first be crippled and then to be controlled as a hostage by the world. With a sound mind, you are able to live life the way that God has designed it to be lived. Without the Word of God, we are merely hostages in this world, being blown about by every wind of doctrine and by every whim that the world decides to throw at us. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8, it says, Beware. Right there, that first word catches our attention. It wants us to be aware, to look around, to not be seduced away, but to keep our eyes open. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. That word, spoil, is one of my favorite words because I've used this before many, many times. It deals with, in time of war, especially in the biblical times, in the Old Testament times, when an army would win a war, it would go into the city and it would plunder that city. It would take away everything that was of value. It would take away the gold. It would take away the silver. It would take away the women. It would take away the children. It would take everything that was valuable... And that's exactly what the world tries to do to our mind. Our great value to our life is our mind because the battlefield, the athletic field of life is fought and is performed right here between our ears in our mind. And as we keep our mind on the Word of God, we have the opportunity to live what the Word of God says. When we allow it to be plundered, when we allow it to be carried off as booty in time of war, then we are subject, we are hostage to the world's ways. It says, spoil you through philosophy and vain deceits. And I really like this word, vain deceits, because it means empty, false statements. Very similar to a can of Campbell's minestrone soup. If you take a can of Campbell's minestrone soup, it looks very nice on the outside. Here you are, you've gone to the store, you've purchased this can of Campbell's minestrone soup, because it's got a nice red and white cover on it, it's just the right size, you take it home, you are very hungry, you open the lid and lo and behold it is empty. It looks very good, it looks appetizing, it looks like it's going to take care of all of your hunger, then you get home and that thing is absolutely empty. And that is what the world tries to do, it tries to sugarcoat things to draw our attention, to draw our life to it, and then it is empty, it is false. It has no substance, it has no foundation to it, and it leaves us high and dry when we need it the most. The Word of God will never do that. It gives us our firm anchorage in a sea of speculation and doubt. Last year at the graduating core fellowship for the 11th core at the Wake College of Emporia, Dr. Rowe made the following statement. He said, why turn back to the world when it was the world that confused you in the first place? After someone has tasted the Word of God, presented on a silver platter like we have, when you take the power for abundant living class, why, oh, why would we ever want to turn back to the world that confused us for all those years? Yet the world is constantly at us to do that. The last thing the world wants us to do is to renew our minds to the Word of God. Yet what God wants us to do is just that to renew our minds to the Word of God. Romans chapter eight, verse six has a great verse of scripture. You don't need to look at it, I'll quote it for you, then you can look it up later just to make sure I said it right. It says, To be for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Complete contrast there, as different as day and night. To be worldly minded, to be carnally minded is death. That is the end result of being worldly minded. Yet to be spiritually minded, which is to be wordly minded, to mind the Word of God is life and peace. And it always interested me when peace is used because the one thing that the world is so desperately after is peace. But they're going about it the wrong way. They're killing people for peace. Which, let's face it, that is about as as logical as the screen door in a submarine. To kill for peace. You can only have peace through the Prince of Peace and to learn about the Prince of Peace in the Word of God. The challenge of our mind is to renew it to the life and peace that God is willing to give us. Now you might have something in your pocket that I want you to pull out right now and it's your driver's license. I have my driver's license. If you have a driver's license, I want you to pull it out right now. Now come on, we'll take the time for you to pull it out. You that will be listening to this on the phone, you pull out your driver's license. You that are listening to this on the tape, please stop the tape at this time and pull out your driver's license. And once you have it, then start the tape once again. (laughs) You got to take care of our tape people. This license is an Ohio driver's license because I live here in Ohio. And mine was issued on October 25th, 1982. Mine is a little over a year old. And mine will expire on my birthday in 1985. I've got two more years to go on my driver's license. But you know what? I know that some of you are looking at your driver's license, the ones that have their eyes down low right now, because yours is expired. That's right. There are people that drive around with expired driver's license. It, it really doesn't matter, does it? Because you drive around just like you would if you had a valid driver's license, but when a crisis arises where you need the authority of a valid driver's license, when one of our friends that works for the state pulls you over and you reach in your pocket and you pull out your driver's license, it has no authority and it has no power, and then you become his hostage. You have to pay the price for not having a valid driver's license. And our mind is very similar to that. There are millions of people, millions of people that have the unrenewed mind that are walking around in life. You can go through your entire lifetime and not renew your mind. It is absolutely available. But when a crisis comes up and you need the authority and the power of a renewed mind, right when you need it, it will not be there. And you will have to pay the price. Just like a driver's license. Now I tell you, I wish the mind was like a driver's license that you only had to validate every three or four years. That would be absolutely wonderful, but it's not that way. We renew our mind on a daily basis and it does take a conscious effort to do that. It takes a little bit of work on our part to do it. We need to turn to Romans chapter 12 now because it's not an official teaching on the renewed mind unless we read that great verse of scripture from Romans chapter 12. And I know you know which one it is. It's verse 2. It says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That, that, that. The word that indicates a result. It indicates an effect. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The word acceptable means well-pleasing. The word perfect means to be complete, to be full, to want nothing, to have absolutely everything supplied. And here in this usage it has a special reference to that for which it was intended. And the, the reason we have the Word of God is recorded in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. God's desire is that we utilize the Word of God to be perfect, fully furnished, that we have no lack in our life whatsoever. And when a crisis in life arises, we've got the power and the authority of the Word of God. But it takes a conscious effort on a daily basis to go to the Word of God, to read it, and to put it into our hearts. In the session eight of Power for Abundant Living, Dr. World covers three keys, three keys on how to renew your mind. And that is what I would like to cover this evening, is those three keys. Number one, The first key, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Number one is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Let's turn to chapter 10 of Romans and that great verse of Scripture, verse 9. It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And we learned that that means absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is no room for doubt whatsoever that we will be saved, that we will be born again. And this is commonly referred to as the new birth. The new birth, but nowhere in the Word do you read about the that this means, that when this takes place, that you get the new mind. The new mind. It's just the new birth. But what what makes available for us is to have a new mind. The renewed mind is the mind that we are now after. Uh, It talks about in Ephesians chapter 2 that the new birth is not of works, lest any man should boast. I would like to say that the new mind is of works. It is certainly of works as well as of grace, because it is certainly by God's grace that we are even able to draw breath. But it is a lot of work to renew our minds, and like anything else, it's worth working for. the, The privileges and the benefits that come with the work far supersede any of the work that must go into it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I'd like for you to turn there. When I was 16 years old and I went for my driver's license, I did not go to renew my driver's license. I went to get my driver's license. Then when I was 19 years old, I went back to renew that which I already had, which was my driver's license. Now, when I got born again, I had no need for a new mind. I already had a mind which may surprise my parents at times, the way that I acted as a teenager, but I really did have a mind. It merely needed to be renewed. And we all have something to work with. We all have the ability to renew it. The great key is our willingness, our willingness to put the effort into the renewing of it. And again, I'd like to tell you that any of the benefits far supersede any work that goes into renewing of our mind. It's a great renewed mind verse of Scripture. In verse 5 of chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians, it says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Very interesting how I said a mind that is not in a sound condition, is held, is controlled as a hostage by the world. And here we are trying to capture our thoughts and bring them into obedience to Christ, which is to bring them into obedience to the Word of God, which is God's will, His desire for our life. Last year, Reverend Walter Cummins taught the Way the books of First and Second Corinthians, and in his teaching, he would give us a little literal translation according to usage. And I like to give that to you for verse five because it adds a little bit more insight and light on this verse of Scripture. And it is demolish your human logic from the high position to which you have lifted it vertically against the knowledge of God which you have known by experience be wise, lead captive every thought to Christ which you have attentively listened to and heard if you want to be wise you will lead every thought captive to Christ you will bring everything to the obedience of the word of God why? because of the benefits to you we are creatures that like to do things that Feel good we like doing things that make us feel real good you want to feel real good renewed mind makes you feel real good because you know you're doing God's will and there's no greater feeling than know you're doing God's will that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you are doing the will of the Father of the Creator the heavens and the earth the one who puts so much investment in your life that you're doing what really pleases him In the Power for Abundant Living class are mentioned the collateral readings, and there are four volumes in the Studies for Abundant Living, and this volume one, which is affectionately entitled or called the Blue Book, the Bible tells me so, called. we all call it the Blue Book, contains 18 chapters. This has 18 chapters of biblical studies, eight of the 18, nearly half of this book is the collateral readings for session eight on Power for Abundant Living. Almost half of this book deals with the renewed mind. That is one reason we must always keep this by our side along with our Bible and continually refer to it because it takes bite-sized pieces of the keys to the renewed mind and teaches them to you. And I like to read out of one of these chapters and it's chapter 4 entitled, The Synchronized Life. It says on page 31, the synchronized life is simply stated by this formula. Confession of belief yields receipt of confession. If you will confess with your mouth at the same time that you confess in your heart what the Word says, you will have power. Your prayers will be answered as you apply these keys in your life by your action. Thus, the abundant resources of heaven are made available to you. But, you always got to watch, watch that word but, because it sets in contrast that which precedes. But likewise, if you simultaneously confess with your mouth and heart the negatives of this world, you will manifest these crippling negatives. What vivid mind pictures. A mind picture of a robust, powerful individual, and then one with crippling effects on their person. What vivid mind pictures. What a contrast. And God's desire is that we are that robust, powerful believer that goes to the Word of God, and with our mind and with our heart, we confess what the Word of God says. And it continues here on chapter, in page 33, it says, "So long as I cannot get my mouth and my heart coordinated on some point that is confirmed by the Word, I have no power with God. But when you do coordinate your, your thinking and your heart on what is confirmed in the Word of God, you will have all the power of the Word of God." It is clearly stated that the word of God is for you. It's voting for you. The confusion of the world in which you have been rescued from is voting against you. And when it comes to decisions, I like making the statement that you are the man or you are the woman. And I like to state that you can't be both. You must be one or the other. (laughs) The man or the woman. The important thing is that you make the decision. That phrase there about having your, your head and your heart. Yeah, coordinated with what, the, what is confirmed in the Word it makes me think of when I first got in the Word of God in 1973, I was witness to on August 11, 1973, and the first thing I did was go back to the college that I had attended two years before that, Little Bluffton College, which is just north of here of international headquarters. And I had not been there in two years, but I knew that my best friends were still attending that school because we were riding back and forth. And I went up there, and when I got born again, the night they witnessed to me, they never told me Romans 10.9 was a verse of Scripture. They just asked me if I believed Jesus Christ got up from the dead, and I said, sounds good to me, and they led me into speaking in tongues. But they taught me one verse of Scripture, and that was Romans 8.37. They and all these things were more than conquerors through Him that loved us. That's the only verse of Scripture I knew, and I was going up to my school, to all of my friends, who were sort of lewd fellows of the baser sorts. (laughs) I was going back to get them in the Word of God, and I was standing out front of our local hangout, which was a bar in downtown Bluffton, Ohio, and I was witnessing to the girl that had been assigned as my big sister when I was a freshman in college, and I was telling her how great God was from this one verse of Scripture, and another one of my friends brought this rather large individual over to me. He was about six foot three or four, about 210 pounds, great big old farm guy. And he said something to me, and I said something to him, and he walks away. And pretty soon this guy comes back with two other equally as big individuals. So here I am, I'm faced with these three men, about six foot two, six foot three. You know, they're just big guys, about 210, 220 pounds. And they proceed to take their fist and pound it in their open hand and go, Boy, we're going to teach you a lesson. Now, though I was not a graduate of college, I was smart enough to know I did not want the lesson they were willing to give me. (laughs) So they start walking towards me, pounding their fists in their hand, and going, boy, we're going to teach you a lesson. So I proceed to walk backwards and pretty soon I run out of room because there is a wall. Now my back is up against the wall and they were rednecks. (laughs) Here, I am, my back's up against the wall, and I went, okay. Nay, all these things were more than conquerors through him and loved us. All right, God, if you, if that's the truth, what should I do? Now, I'll tell you, God will always work with you in something that is familiar to you. He will work in something that you're familiar with. And I was a salesman at the time, and I always carried in my back pocket my sales book. And God said to me, sell them your product. Without hesitation I reached in my back pocket, I pulled out my sales book and I said, how many cases do you want? Two or three? Is that going to be cash or check? Do you want me to deliver? you got to pick it up? And I walked to the biggest guy, I took my ink pen, I put it in his hand and said, sign right here. And all three of these guys jumped back and they went, you're crazy. And they started running down the street. <laughs> and I, I took my sales book. I flipped it shut, I put it in my back pocket, I looked at that girl and I said, that's the power of God. (laughs) What I did is I coordinated my mind and my heart on something that was confirmed in the Word of God and I got my result. I got not only my result but my desired result. (laughs) Believe me, it was my desired result. That is why we must do number two, which is study the Word. Number two is study the Word. The first point is to believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, and number two is to study the Word. In that session on Power for Abundant Living, Dr. Roll says, why not get rid of all the other reading material in your house? Just get rid of it because you don't read it anyway. You only buy it because they keep coming to your door and bothering you, so just go ahead and get rid of it, and for the next three months, for the next three months, Just read the church epistles. Get your head into the church epistles and after that three months you won't even recognize yourself. The neighbors won't even recognize you. That's still a challenge to our lives because we never outgrow those church epistles. There's always room for change and growth in our life. And again, I lay out the challenge, why not read the church epistles for the next three months? Stick your head and your heart into the church epistles. Get rid of your magazines and every other, all the other extraneous readings and find out what God can continue to do for you in your life. It's just not a matter of quoting Scripture, though. That's not the big thing. There's people that can quote Scripture coming out their ears. I understand it. Nikita Khrushchev, who used to be in charge of Russia, had memorized the four Gospels. He was still a communist that killed people any chance that he got, so what good was that? It's making the Word of God your heart. It's to where His heart is your heart, where His Word is your Word. That's the key. And as a Christian believer, it is never a disgrace to stumble in your walk. The disgrace comes in not walking. The disgrace is, comes when you don't walk, when you sit on the sidelines and become that hostage of the world once again after hearing the Word of God. A few years ago at our uh, core week that we have prior to the Rock of Ages, we had as a special guest Bob Richards. Many of you remember him as the Wheaties Man, Breakfast of Champions. And he is a motivational speaker, he's a Christian, and he goes around and talks, and he came and talked to the Way Corps one morning for a couple hours. And he quoted an author by the name of Jack London. And this has become one of my favorite quotes that I carried it in my Bible with me. And I think it refers, I like thinking of it concerning a renewed mind individual. Someone that really wants to walk with a renewed mind. And it goes like this. I'd rather be ashes than dust. I'd rather my spark go out in a burning flame than to be stifled with dry rot. I'd rather be a splendid meteor blazing across the sky every atom in me in magnificent glow than to be a sleepy and permanent planet. Life is to be lived, not to exist. I shall not waste my days trying to prolong them. I will use my time. To me that is a renewed mind attitude. Well, you don't waste your time trying to prolong them, but you have the hope of the return burning in your heart, which is a great renewed mind key, having the hope of His return, that this could very well be our last day here, because without any warning, we're going to hear this, doo-doo-doo-doo-doo, and the trump of the Lord, and we shall be gathered together. Not to be a pile of dust sitting on the sidelines, which represents inactivity, but being an individual that goes out and moves the Word of God. Many Christians suffer from what I call the paralysis of analysis, a deadly killer in Christians, where people become so analytical of their lives, they become so critical of their lifestyle that they literally become paralyzed in their thinking, which will paralyze their believing, which will paralyze any results that they're able to get. And paralysis is has the effect of crippling. And when our believing is crippled, the results that we get will be less than abundant. Section one, we learn that you are where you are today because of your believing, and you will be tomorrow where your believing takes you. That is why, as you align your thinking up to the Word of God, which builds your believing, you will have that breeding ground for success and the abundance of life. To get away from that is opening your heart and your life up as open prey to the adversary to first cripple and then to control as a hostage. Acts chapter 17, please. The book of Acts contains so many wonderful records both on the positive and the negative concerning what happened to an individual after they got born again, after they had confessed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Some of them did not do the right thing of studying the Word and putting the Word in their heart, such as Ananias and Sapphira. Though they were born again, they continued in their evil ways of lying and cheating, and they reaped the result of that. But there are others that did the positive thing, the right thing. In chapter 17 of the book of Acts, in verse 11, it says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the Word with all readiness of mind and searched the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Search the Scriptures daily. Turn to Philippians, please, chapter 2. Jesus Christ, our great standard, our great example in which to follow, was of course born as a baby, and was a little boy, and then continued to grow to manhood. Because He was a man and not God, He had to learn the Bible. He had to learn what the Word of God said. He had to renew his mind to what the Word of God said. And that took him going to the Word of God, seeing what it said, then aligning his thinking and his heart and actions up to the Word of God. And it says in verse 5 of chapter 2 of Philippians, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The mind that Christ Jesus had was one that when a crisis or any situation arose, he would respond with, It is written he had the Word of God at the forefront of his mind and at his thinking, and the basis of all of his actions was, It is written. And I think he did all right. This man had some signs, miracles, and wonders follow his walk. It says in the last verse of Scripture of the Gospel of John that if we were to record everything that he did, there wouldn't be volumes enough to hold it here in this world. There would not be volumes enough to hold it everything that he did, and he was a man that had the renewed mind and manifestation. The third thing that we need to do is to live love. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. Live love, and the first way of living love is to, of course, love God. To love our God, the one true God. Verse 27 of chapter 10 Jesus speaking says, And he, Jesus answering, said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy what? Mind. With all thy mind. That is the attitude in which we approach life each and every day, is to first and foremost love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, to give our all in all for His highest. Number two, let's go to Jeremiah. Chapter 15, Jeremiah, just after the book of Genesis. Well, it's more than just, it's about 17, 18 books past it, really. Jeremiah chapter 15, right after Isaiah. Number two is uh, we are to love the word. And what a great verse of scripture here. This is one of the foundational scriptures from the Power for Abundant Living class that is used. And it says in verse 16, thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called uh, by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. The words were found, and he did eat them. We have the word presented to us. In our day and time, we have the accuracy of the word of God at our very fingertips. It's not more than just a reach away for a believer that loves God, because he'll have his Bible right there. And we eat that word of God. We digest that Word of God. We assimilate it in our life so that we can manifest the true glory and power that God has called us to manifest. And that the Word of God is the joy and rejoicing of our heart. Philippians chapter 1. The third thing that we must do is love our fellow man. So in living love, there are three aspects. Love God, love the Word, and love our fellow man. This past Wednesday night, Reverend... Craig Martindale, the president of The Way International, was teaching at our Thanksgiving Eve service here at International Headquarters. He read this verse of Scripture, and when he was done teaching it, he poked his Bible and he said, that's the renewed mind. And that's verse 3 of chapter 1. Always in every prayer... I'm sorry, verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. What a great lifestyle to have in dealing with our fellow man, to love without a hypocrisy, as it talks about in Romans chapter 12, verse 9. To love without hypocrisy, but to truly love people. And a great way to love people is to pray for those people. To thank God upon every remembrance of your family members, of the people that you talk to, the people that you work with. Just thanking God. It doesn't take a long time to thank God for an individual, but the power behind thanking God for that individual is beyond measure of what it does for that individual. Our believing is conditioned by what we think of God, and we learn about God in His Word. Nestled in the all truth of the church epistles is the knowledge of our sonship rights. Our sonship rights. Knowing and operating our sonship rights is not only vital, but it is absolutely necessary in turning the key to the door that will open to us and unleash and release to us the great power of God. There are five in number, five sonship rites, and I believe Reverend Cummins even mentioned them this evening in the pregame here. You are redeemed, you are justified, you are sanctified, you are righteous, and you have the ministry of reconciliation. Please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And the first one I'd like to cover is redeemed. To be redeemed. To be redeemed means that you are purchased back for a price that God with the life of his son Jesus Christ purchased you back. He got you back from the heap pile of life, the trash pile of life and has given us a unique position in the body of Christ. As it's recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 27 that we each have a very unique position in the body of Christ. And it's because that we have been redeemed that it is available for us. Verse 20 of chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. It is absolutely impossible to glorify God in your body if you had not been redeemed. To be outside of the Word of God, to not be born again, to have those sonship rights available to you, it is impossible to glorify God. I got a letter from an individual and, and this individual told me that her belief was that all you had to do was be good to people. Well, I tell you, you can be as good as you want to people, but if you're not born again, you are not glorifying God. You've got to, first of all, be born again and then operating the principles of God's Word if you're going to glorify God. Justified, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Justified means that in a court of law, the judge has said not guilty. That the big hammer came down and bam, you are not guilty. That means you're no longer at loggerheads with God. You're not not kicking against the pricks. You're not butting your head against God any longer. And it opens the door for this to be available in our lives. Verse 9, For we are laborers together with God. You think about that. Laborers together with the the Creator of the heavens and the earth to have Him be in a partnership with Him. All those years we lived where we were at loggerheads, we were fighting against Him, we were kicking against Him, but now, because we have been justified, we're not guilty, we are fellow laborers with Him. Righteous means that we're able to stand before God without any sense of sin, guilt, or condemnation. And in this book, the Bible tells me so. There's an entire chapter that deals with righteousness. It is chapter 8, entitled, You Are Righteous Now. And I highly recommend that you read that in the Bible tells me so. Chapter 8, you are righteous now. Because it is a knowledge of our righteousness that is so valuable and vital for us to be able to claim the promises of God's Word. To not be seduced, not to be crippled, not to be captured and controlled as a hostage any longer. But to live in complete liberty and live in the abundance of life that God so desperately desires for our life. Sanctified means that we have been set apart. We have been separated out, set apart from, again, the trash pile of life to be His sons, His beloved sons, which He gave all His power to. We have been set apart to that. And again, in the Bible tells me so, in chapter 7, God rescued us. It is great reading for you on this subject because in that chapter, Dr. Will shares with us some of the things that we have been rescued from, and what we are now able to enjoy because we have been rescued, we have been set apart. Second Corinthians chapter 5, you know what's coming up, don't you? The ministry of reconciliation. And you probably think, I'm going to do the burdened-down Christian. Verse 18 of chapter 5, And all things are of God, or all things new are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of of reconciliation to reconcile means to bring back together that which has been separated and we were separated because of the sin of Adam all mankind was separated from God and it took our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to be born to live to die to be raised from the dead and then on the day of Pentecost God giving the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to make available the new birth where we could be reconciled back to God and we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. It is now up to us to go out and reconcile people back to God. Verse 19, to wit, or to know that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. It would be of great difficulty to perform the ministry of reconciliation without the vital tool and key of the word of reconciliation. By utilizing this Word of God, we are able to reconcile people back to the Word of God, back to God Himself, and we are able also to keep ourselves in harmony and alignment, keeping that reconciliation tight and sure by keeping our minds on the greatness of the Word of God. It continues, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. For He hath made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And at this time in the Power for Abundant Living class, Dr. World proceeds to do the burden down Christian. He talks about the burden down one, the one that decides that he is going to absorb all the sins of the world. He's going to live everybody else's life and carry their sins on his shoulder. He, he acts out the guy all bent over and his shoulders are slumped down and then he asks someone would you like to go to church with me and he goes I wouldn't go to church with you even if it was the truth of God's Word nobody wants that kind of religion I don't want that kind of religion and neither do you any of us that love the greatness of God's Word don't want that kind of religion and then he talks about the guy that comes out of a corner bar he says he throws his old shoulders back he walks down he can lick any man in town and that's a little bit different than the burned down Christian but to illustrate the difference of being burdened down without the Word of God, and then to have the true knowledge of God's Word, I want to tell you about my Grandpa Fort. How many of you ever met my Grandpa Fort? None of you. Well, I didn't either. He died when I was about three months old, but like most children growing up, I was very inquisitive about my Grandpa. The reason I started getting inquisitive, I was going to the barber shop one day with my father and... These men were sitting there and they said, he looks like Little Hawkshaw. That's what they did. Which was my father, and my father looked like my grandfather. So I started asking my dad about my grandfather. And the first story I remember being told about my grandpa, first of all, let me tell you about my grandpa. My grandpa was six foot three and weighed 270 pounds. Now, most of that weight was up, upper body strength because for years he'd worked on a riverboat and had shoveled coal in the coal burning furnaces. He would do that 14, 16 hours a day. So most of his weight was in his arms, chest, neck, and back. And my grandfather, grandfather was so strong that one day a mule kicked him, my grandfather turned around and with one punch, knocked him out. With one punch, my grandfather flattened a mule. <laughs> you know what people used to call my grandpa? Mr. Fort. Because when you can knock out a mule and you're six foot three, 270 pounds, they'll call you anything you want them to call you. And he wanted to be called Mr. Fort. Well, my grandma Fort was just as small as my grandpa was big. But like Many married couples, there are times when an argument would transpire between the husband and the wife. And there was this one occasion in the living room of my parents' house. My grandmother was, I guess, reproving my grandfather for something that she did not like. And my grandfather was a very, very gentle man. Don't get the idea. He didn't go around punching out mules all the time. It's only when they kicked him that he punched them out. And my grandfather would sit there and rock back and forth and puff on his pipe until he get to a certain point that he couldn't take it any longer, and he stood up and he walked over to the middle of the room. There in the middle of the living room on the carpet was my grandmother Ford's cat. And my grandfather looked at my grandmother, he looked down at the cat, and proceeded to pick the cat up by its tail. He is still looking at my grandmother, my grandmother is still giving it to him like cats and dogs, and my grandfather proceeded to go and started swinging that cat around his head as fast as he could. Now can't you just picture this little cat? Whee! And can't you picture this little cat? I mean, this cat is laid flat out. Whee! My grandpa's just flinging this cat around his head as fast as he could. And he continued until my grandmother either stopped or said she was sorry. My grandfather let the cat go. And I, boy, I just got such a kick out of that story that I must admit, I've swung a cat or two around my head as a little kid. You know, you want to see exactly what that cat really looks like. So as a little kid, you know, Woo! sure enough, those cats—they lay flat out. And I never forgot that story. And as I started getting a little bit older in life, and I graduated from high school, I attended a couple of different colleges, and I held a number of different jobs. That incident kept coming back to my mind more and more and more. Because as I got older and got into the routine of life and got into the way the world wanted me to go, I was really able to relate to the cat. (laughs) My life really resembled that cat. Because it seemed, here I was, I wasn't causing anybody any trouble. I was just sitting here not bothering anybody and just felt like somebody came and snatched me by my tail and started (laughs) flinging me around its head. And any time it felt like it, it would let me go. Then I'd lay there for a little bit longer, and without any warning whatsoever, I'm snatched by the tail, and rung, rung right around the world's head. Until I came to a class called Power for Abundant Living, and I learned the keys of, first of all, that I have a mind that is worth working with, I got to learn that the world is out to hold me as a hostage, to keep me from enjoying what God has made available to me, then I learned the keys of renewing my mind. I learned, first of all, to believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, that I learned that the Word of God is there for me to go to, and I learned how to live love, then I learned how to grab the world and life by the tail. I was now in control of my life. No longer was the world at freedom to come in and grab me anytime it wanted to because I was aware. Beware. I was aware of what the world wanted to do to me and I fortified my life with the accuracy of the Word of God. In the Powerful Abundant Living class, Dr. Roll says, if nobody believes it, it's still God's Word. If nobody believes it. But I like to say, when you believe it, it's still god's word and because it is god's word it will become the manifested power of god in your life the world is out to confuse you it is out to hold you hostage god has sent his word so that we can have the freedom to enjoy life and live it more than abundantly as we believe that the lord jesus christ is our lord and savior as we study his word and become aware of our five sonship rights and claim them And as we live life, we're able to grab life by the tail and give it a swing or two. And we're able to enjoy the abundance that God has made available for us. Father, I thank you for the Word and for the joy of being alive and being involved with this ministry that represents your accuracy and truth of your Word. Thank you, Father, this night for the teacher of Power for Abundant Living, Dr. Wuerl, and what his life has meant to us as he continually unfolds the greatness of the Word. Thank you, Father, for The Way International, for this teaching platform reaching out around the world to take your word to a starving people. Thank you, Father, for the great privilege that I've had to hold forth your word tonight. And there's no greater privilege in life than that. Thank you for this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you.